Shegulola Salami Show. It's a podcast set in the virtual cafe, and I'm Shegulola Salami. Um, I hope you're all doing very well. I'm sorry I sound really dull and boring today, but it's just been a really hectic, you know, hectic period um, these last few days. I just feel like I'm coming down with a cold because every single time my little human goes to nursery and comes back and brings germs, it seems to just hit me like I was hit by a trailer or something. So she's been quite sniffly, you can hear in the background. It's like she never gets down with a cold. But yes, I'm the one that just feels really run over. So yes, I think I'm, touch wood, I'm sounding good. Um, I've not got a cold or anything. I just feel quite weak. So do bear with me today if I sound quite dull and boring. But anywho, who have I got here with me today? Hey, so this is Vince Gaglione. I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And um, I am uh, a self-published author. I've basically taken on the task of, of journaling or documenting the last few years of my life following a tragedy that, that I experienced in my life. I, um, I was dating a really wonderful woman for almost three years and um, her, her youngest son, uh, had two adult sons, her youngest son died in a in a tragic accident and um from from that moment forward uh everything seemed to change now uh, of course as as a parent losing a child is is probably the worst thing that could you could ever imagine and uh she went through a number of months of just a downward depressive cycle that she never uh recovered from so um she actually wound up taking her own life four months later. So it had been uh, just something that was very foreign to me. Uh, I had never experienced anything like this. And, and, and I had to deal with, with two deaths in a very short period of time. So as part of my healing process, I, I went ahead and uh, use journal writing therapy to to help me through my process. And over the course of the next five years, I had put together a number of journal entries, just documented uh, my feelings, my emotions, uh, how I had changed through all the different stages of grief that I had to experience, and how I came out, you know, on the other side, a, a stronger person, uh, uh, a better person. And uh, a more a more compassionate person um, so the experience definitely changed me uh, and the the entries that I had put together I dropped them all in compilations and published those entries in books uh, they're available as as ebooks and and paperbacks but they, they they document my my life and and my experience uh, with the hope that you know it would help someone who may be going through a similar process uh, because it's a very difficult thing to to deal with uh, loss especially one that's you know as as sudden and as and as unbelievable and tragic as, as this was um, so uh, we're now six years into the process and I, I've I've made it through those five stages of grief 
and I continue this work uh, more or less as, as a personal growth, personal transformation exercise. So as I deal with things in my life and, and new things come up, I, I write about them. I, I, I share my emotions on the page and I, and I write them. Um, so it's been, it's been quite a journey. I, I can imagine, you know, I can, I can imagine. I, I'm really sorry for your loss because, um, you know, I don't even know what to say. Okay. Well, in times like this, you know, they say comfort food. So yes. I'm going to get you a nice slice of Oreo cake. Oreo, Oreo needs to start paying me because I keep offering people Oreo cake in this cafe. So I'll offer you a nice big slice of Oreo cake and a nice big dollop of ice cream to go. I think this time we need cake and ice cream together. That sounds good to me. Okay, so I'm gonna get my little human to come and say hello first, and then I'm going to send her to go and get the food. Come on, darling. Go on, say hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. No, no, stand up right, they can't hear you. Say hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. How are you, everyone? <laughs> How are you, everyone? Okay, then I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine, thank you. Okay, see you later. See you later. Okay, right, <laughs> let's wipe your nose first so we don't give mommy the boogie. Okay, right, so go and get the cake and go and get the, oh, you know, I'm not even going to use the magic word because then I'm not going to have any peace in this house, okay? No, I go and play. Where's, where's my little pony? Okay, great. Yes, I wasn't going to use that I word because then I would not have any peace in this house again and that's mm -hmm. what I'm going to hear, especially as for the first time in 2018, the sun is out and it is really delicious. It was really warm on my skin. I could feel this, the sun caressing my skin. It was amazing. We don't get a lot of sunshine, so it was just really nice to have a bit of sun on my skin. So yes, anywho, um, I'm not even, you know. Um, okay, so you were you close with or to your stepson? Um. He was 20 years old, so he, he was an adult child. And we really didn't see him that much. He had his own life. He was just starting to, you know, to branch out. He had, he had a job, he had a place, and he was, he was just in the process of, you know, be, uh, taking that step towards adulthood. So, you know, as, as most, most um, you know, later teens, early 20s, they're, they're very independent, so... Um, we weren't really close, but when I did see him, I mean, we did, we did share conversations and we always had, had a bunch of laughs. So he was a really nice kid. Okay. Um, you know, I, I was just sort of trying to understand, you know, because if, um, I don't even, I can't even pick my words correctly. Um, because sometimes it's like when you're close to someone and then the person passes away, you know, really suddenly, um, but then if you weren't really close with him uh, or to him, how did it really affect you? Was it because of the way it affected your wife? Yeah, it's the way it affected my significant other. Uh, we weren't married. We weren't engaged, but we'd been oh, okay. dating for a while. And we were, we were heading in that direction. Um, so it's like we knew we were going to be together. So she, she had actually, you know, she was still um, living a little bit away from me, but she still had him part-time in the house and she was already making plans for, you know, when he moves out completely, you know, we're, what are we going to do? What's our plan? So we were starting to talk about that. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely, it was more, more or less how it affected her. 
Um, now, granted, of course, if, say, her and I were together when he was young and I had seen him grow up, that's a little bit of a different story. But I'd, I'd only known him for about a little less than three years. Okay. Well, almost three years is a long time. It is. It is. Uh, like I said, it's a little bit different when they're, when they're later teens. You don't see them as much. They're very independent, so you don't have much contact with them. Um, you know, it's one of those types of situations. Um, so yeah, not, not exactly the same, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely, you know, about, uh, you know, her, how she was going to handle this and she, she did not handle it very well, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it's unfortunately, it's just, you know, every parent's worst nightmare, you know, because mm -hmm. you give up, right? You give mm -hmm. up like 70% of yourself to raise a child right um and so you know it's everybody if it, it i will i would like to assume or i would like to think that it is every parent's um desire to be buried by their child than to bury their own child um and as a parent myself you know god forbid i can't even imagine how i would cope you know i even reject i, I refuse to even you know sort of entertain that kind of you know thought you know um so you know how how did it really um i don't even know because it's just you know i think it was one and i guess it's a good thing that you're here because people don't really know how to handle grief and people don't know how to support people who are grieving mm -hmm. uh, and you know it doesn't matter what side of the coin you are either as the parent or either as the child you know because from a child's point of view let's say you know you've known your parent for say 30 years and then suddenly this key figure, you know, this important person to your life, you know, is no longer there. You know, it's also quite, you know, difficult to cope with. And, it's that, you know, and then again, from a parent's point of view, you've spent X amount of, you know, time, you know, with this child. And then suddenly this child, you know, passes away before your hand. I don't even know how it is possible, you know, to cope with it. It is, it's grief is, and I think a lot of people struggle to, offer you know support and sure. i mean as a you know as a child myself you know i lost my mom you know what just before i turned 30 and you know because she was a bit unwell you know so my coping mechanism was that okay well she's no longer in pain you know she's in a better place and whatnot but even at that it took me it's just taken me about five years you know it's been coming to five years you know since my mom passed away to sort of just sort of pick up your life, right? Because when you experience death for the first time, it's a bit, to me, it was, the, you know, it was kind of like, well, what is the purpose of life? Like, what is the point of it? Why do you do all these things when it is so inconsequential? You know, why do you have to even bother with anything? Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it, it was something that, uh, was it was foreign not only for her you know of course as a parent but for me as well because I'd never been in that situation where I needed to be strong and provide support for this person and it, it was all new so I didn't know what to do um, so I was just kind of guessing and you know I, I had some help with this but um, you, you don't you don't really know until you're in that situation, how you're going to react. 
and what your capabilities are. And you could think about it and you could say, oh yeah, I would do this or I would do that. But um, you, you really don't know 100%. Uh, and that's the tough part. Uh, you just kind of take it as it comes and you make the best decisions that, that you, you think you're making at the time. Um, and then, you know, of course, sometimes you, I mean, we're, every, day, every day is a learning experience. Everything that we, we experience is, is um, a, a learning experience for us. So yeah. Yeah. we just see all we could do is the best that we can and, and hope that we're doing enough. Um, sometimes, you know, the, the enough that isn't, isn't good enough and there, there's nothing you can do. And that seemed to be the case here, unfortunately. Um, How we did had, your wife take her life? Uh, she actually committed suicide. She shot herself in the head. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was, um, this is, this is the thing about, you know, uh, suicides most times. Um, the, the people who had there, if you're contemplating it, you know, uh, you might see signs, um, someone might be reaching out for help by, by, by generating signs, by putting signs out there, you know, in, in a way of, of saying, please help me, help me. But this was all kind of, you know, hidden from, from the people who were closest to her. None of us had any idea that this was this was going to happen or did happen she so she hid it well from all of us and that was the tough part um you know after you know while we uh, after the 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 funeral and you know there were there were a few people that that i talked to uh, basically you know we all seemed to have small bits and pieces of information and when we kind of put our heads together you know, we realized, oh, wow, she, she just kind of gave us little, little pieces here and there. So none of us individually would know that this was going to happen. But as a collective, you know, it was pretty clear. And that was, that was really scary. Sorry, it's just, you know, when you're completely speechless, um, I'm not even, I'm not even sure. Okay, right. So what have you learned from this process? Because as a person, I always like to think of um, things, you know, that God forbid if I was ever in a situation again, be it good or bad, you know, I, I would like to think of what I could potentially have done differently or I try to reflect on how it has made me a better person or, you know, just like what, what have you learned from this process? Well, um, what I've learned is that you can't, obviously you can't be um, monitoring someone 24-7 around the clock. That's, that's impossible. Um, they're they're going to they're gonna find ways to, 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 a, to kind of like break from that monitoring. All you can do is just, you know, follow, I guess, certain guidelines or uh, here's an example. I, I had uh, my family therapist, I would, I talked to her about this and, and she said that, you know, after about a month of, of grieving, then the person should start to, um, get back to leading a normal life. Meaning like, even though they might be going through the motions, they're actually rejoining society, so to speak. 
Um, so what happened here was that that didn't happen. She actually closed herself off more and more. So she, she maintained contact with fewer and fewer people. Um, she sort of withdrew and, and didn't want to receive visitors. She didn't want to take phone calls. So it turned out like I was the only person that, that she was in contact with and she shut everybody else out. Um, and if that happens, then that's a bad sign right there. So um, that would be one thing that, that I think that I, now, that, now I know that I would certainly react differently to. Um, and that's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty hard thing to discern, and at least initially when, when dealing with something like this, because like I said, there's no, there's no point of reference, right? I, I had no previous experience with this. So yeah. of course to me, it was like, okay, she just needs a little bit more time and, you know, I'll keep trying and eventually I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll help get her back on track and we'll see, you know, small little improvements here and there, but um, it just kept going in the opposite direction. So instead of just, you know, waiting and, and holding out hope, I think I, I probably would have, you know, tried to get more people involved, say, okay, yes, you go over to the house, knock on the door until she opens the door, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's hindsight, of course. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, see, I'm not usually quite speechless. Um, but, you know, cause I'm sort of thinking about when I lost my mom and, you know, I went out and I carried on life as usual. And I think I was in denial stage. Um, and because one of the things that happened was that I kept ringing my mother's number and I was ringing it on the, in the hope that, you know, it was someone that was playing me a big April's fool. And <clears throat> that, you know, the more times I ring it, that she would eventually pick up. Mm -hmm. um, until the phone's battery died or somebody turned off the phone and then it stopped ringing and it's kind of kind of you know you then get into that you know acceptance that oh okay possibly maybe this is real and not you know um some sort of um you know april's fool's uh prank in march sure. um, but then the hardest bit for me that i had found was night time you know, because my mom and I, we used to have a lot of nighttime conversations and, you know, that was our mom-daughter bonding type thing where, you know, we just had laughs and my dad would call me the next morning and he would go, what were you and your mom talking about that you were laughing so much? Mm -hmm. not I was like, well, go and ask your wife, you know, it's none of your business, yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. And so there I was, you know, my nighttime came and mm -hmm. my, you know, my late night, you know, conversation just in gossip partner you know, wasn't picking up her phone and we couldn't talk. And mm -hmm. so for close to five years, I mean, it's coming to five years now, you know, it was, it's been really hard for me, like sleeping. And then sometimes I would actually see her in my dream. So mm -hmm. I think most what some people don't realize that during the day, it is okay. The worst time for my personal experience is nighttime. Sure. When the, everywhere is dead silent, mm -hmm. where for the first time in the day, you can actually hear the thoughts in your head. You know, during the daytime, you know, there's a lot of noise going around that it can drown out things in your head, right? Sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and they say that the things that, you know, that were in your mind before you go to bed, that's what you end up dreaming about. Mm -hmm. uh, so there you are, you know, you've been thinking about stuff and then when you eventually manage to close your eyes, then, you know, the person sort of appears in your dream. 
and you know it's uh, i can i can it is not an easy one and i'm not even sure i don't even know what to say <laughs> it's okay yeah that's you know for me um that was after you know her death that was the worst time for me as well because everything was quiet and you really can't talk to anybody at two, three, four o'clock in the morning. You know, no one's awake. No one is, is going to be taking a phone call. Um, so, yeah, it was just me alone with my thoughts every night. And um, that, that, was, that was a very difficult thing for me to, to deal with because I needed some sort of outlet, something to kind of take my mind, just, just kind of take take everything that was in my mind and, and just get it out there somehow or, or you know do something with it i couldn't just keep holding on to it so that's so actually I, go ahead go on oh yeah i was gonna say that you know that's actually how i get started with with writing these journal entries because i uh, i had a laptop in front of me and i had my document open and i thought okay i'm just gonna start writing so that's that's how this whole process started for me yeah but i think we've you know identified something that is unique or common or the common ground is after you know losing someone be it a child and possibly your significant other she was going through the same thing and especially because you guys didn't live together you know all the time so maybe when you know because we've identified that at nighttime when it's quiet and you're left with your thoughts and you have all these things rummaging through your head that's usually the most difficult time for anyone who's lost someone they love or care about um, most especially a parent so maybe you know that was what she was going through where you know she just thought you know what i need to get to deal with i need to do i need to i need to kill my thoughts mm -hmm. for lack of a better way to put it yeah yeah, I know that, you know, that was, it was really the only thing, you know, that was, was on her mind. That was, that was it. There was no other thought. She just kept replaying it over and over. And, and I'm sure, you know, she had, she had felt a sense of guilt when she really didn't need to. It wasn't, it wasn't her fault. And, you know, I know that, you know, that was, that was her, her, her role in life. I mean, that's, that was her identity. She was a mom. And to, to lose a, a child was just, it was just too much for her. Yeah, I can imagine. So tell me about your book. So when you started writing, what was the first thing you wrote? Ah, uh, well, the, um, going back, this is, this is 2012, back in September, I started. So it was nine months between when I actually put anything to paper and, you know, when the, when the whole process started for me and it more or less was just a, a, a collection of, of journal entries, just whatever thought was in my head is what I kind of put on the page. So I had written, you know, entries about, you know, how I felt about, you know, the, the, the day, how I felt about, you know, it was wonderful to be, you know, feeling, you know, warm in you know late September when it's I'm from a place Philadelphia Pennsylvania that's usually fairly chilly and you know I like the warm weather so it's just like different senses different um different things stimuli I was exposed to I started writing about and then you know it, it kind of it just kind of went from there so anything that was 
that was like bothering me. Anything that um, I noticed would, would, would cause me some sort of, you know, trouble or grief or there were certain situations I looked at that, you know, if I, I would see uh, sitting out, you know, on, on a promenade and listening to a couple walking by that were kind of like arguing, I would just, you know, wonder, well, there are so many bigger problems we have there's this is insignificant so it was like my anger about you know that argument just random types of thoughts but it all had to do it all stemmed from you know the emotions that I was feeling and and understanding that you know there's a lot more to life than just these you know little petty things that we deal with for on a day-to-day basis Um, so it, it kind of in a way it kind of clarified what was really important and it, and it, it gave me, it gave me a sense of, you know, what really mattered and what I'd lost that type of thing. So I would say that, you know, the entire collection is, is just, it's very different um, from one, one essay to another. Um, there's no real, you know, there's no real rhyme or reason for some of it, but a lot of it, you know, is also about, you know, my fears and, and the things that, that I've been afraid of and, and, and all the thing about it is like, it's all emotional. All of the writing that is in this series of books is just pure emotion. So it's authentic and it's, um, it's very personal and it's, it's kind of like me just, you know, putting what's in my heart out on, on paper for the, the world to read. Okay. Um, so what can people expect from the book? Why would anyone want to? I know it's emotional and, you know, it's about, you know, a difficult time in mm-hmm. your life. Um, but what, you know, they always, they always think about a problem that, you know, anything you're doing would solve, you know. So why would anyone want to buy it? What sort of problems would they, you know, would it be solving? What can they expect to get out of your book? What would be a benefit of them to, you know, to reading your book? What's the book called again? Um, the series is called The Narratives. Each book has a subtitle. Um, so the first book is called The Narratives, Keeping the Soul Alive. And then there are seven total in the series. Um, and like I said, it kind of documents in a way my, my own journey and my, my own growth process. So, you know, it's authentic and it's, it's about more or less sharing my emotions. And the point being that, you know, if you really want to understand yourself, if you really want to be, you know, honest with yourself, then you really have to feel your emotions. You have to be honest with them. You have to honor them. Um, and then you can, then you can move forward. So that, that's always a big step towards, you know, self-actualization. Um, so it's kind of, in a way, it, it might, it might be considered a roadmap for how to get there. Um, and everybody's going to take something different, um, from it so I, I've, I've received you know a, a number of of reviews and and you know some some people have been just kind of fooled by the honesty some um, look at it as well wow this is this is this is really a, a, an interesting perspective and an interesting take on life um, so there's a number of different opinions surrounding you know, some of these, some of these books and, you know, certain, certain books and certain essays ring true to some, um, while others ring true to, to others. So I think every, I think you could take something away from, from any of these books. 
but it's all, you know, based on how you relate to um, the world and how you relate to yourself. Okay. Yeah, that's, 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 um, okay. that's, that's fine. Um, yeah, they're very hard to categorize in a way. Yeah. Because, I mean, that, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's more, that's a little bit tougher. They don't follow a particular theme. It's just, it, it, it's, it, it's how I got from the person I was back in 2012 to the person I am in 2018. And I had a lot of, you know, a lot of growing up to do, essentially. Yeah, so I guess, you know, people who are going through that process and, you know, they're in, it's, it's nighttime and, you know, everywhere is quiet and they're filled with their thoughts, you know, and they just want something. I guess, you know, it's something that they could consider reading to see how somebody else in, the, in a similar situation had coped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's perfect. Um, Okay, well, I, I hope, you know, it's, I, I, you know, seriously, this is the first time in this show. I'm usually quite hyper, like, rah, 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 and, you know, quite hyped up and, you know, ready to go. And, you know, as someone who's experienced loss before, you know, it's, I'm, I'm sort of like in your corner, but, you know, I didn't, I don't even know what, I, you know, what to say. Um, how would you have liked, to, how would you have liked people to help you cope? Looking back, what do you think other people could have done to help you cope better? Well, I can't, I can't say that they could have done anything better because I did have, I did have a great support system, of course. So it, it was, I had friends, family who just would tell me, yeah, just let me know. I'll, I'll come, I'll come down. I'll come over. I'll, I'll call you whatever you need. So I can't say that my support system left anything lacking. Um, it was more or less me where, you know, I needed to, um, not, uh, I'm always one who, who doesn't want to be a burden on anyone. So I kind of like suppressed that a little bit. I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. And, you know, I, I knew what I needed and I needed to kind of work through some of this stuff myself. Um, so my support system was great. Um, but, you know, this really helped me clarify things. So my own, the, the writing that I had done had, had, had certainly helped in my, in my healing process. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was really, yeah, I was really thankful that I had such a good group. And I have such a good group. I mean, I, my sister, she still lives up north. And like right after this happened, she was like, okay, I'm coming down. Like, I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm coming down. So, you know, I couldn't ask for anything more. So I guess then the key thing that we've noticed is that it's for people who love and care for someone who's grieving to mm -hmm. not take no for an answer, to just go and be there. Even if you don't say anything, even mm -hmm. if you don't, do anything you know just to be around that person that person's um you know vicinity so that a person knows that you're actually there mm -hmm. um because sometimes you know i think and you know i am not an expert on the subject sometimes um people who need the most rarely ask and it's very comforting to know that you know there is someone who cared enough to stay there until you're ready to ask for help sure yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I think, 
in in my case, I, I kind of uh, I was kind of in between with it. You know, I was like, I knew I could count on people if I needed them, and um, you know, I also knew that there was some of this I had to do on my own. There was, you know, I, I experienced a moment after after her death where you know i i was kind of going through the same thing i was like oh my god this must have been exactly how she felt um where i didn't you know i was very lethargic i didn't feel like getting off the couch and i was just uh, i was just numb and then i remembered something that um uh, uh, one of my the best coach i ever had in my life um he had i had worked with me a number of years back and that was you know that was for a that was actually for for sports. And, um, he said to me one time, he's like, well, you got two choices in life, either sink or swim. You decide which one. So I remember those words and I thought, that's it. Nobody can really help me. It's going to be up to me to either sink or swim. What am I going to choose? And that's what it came down to. So no matter who was there, no matter, you know, what type of help I had, it was still going to be up to me to to make that decision. And that's, that's what I did. I decided I needed to swim. I wasn't done yet. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's truly, um, you know, that's truly amazing. Um, I guess you chose, you chose um, life because sometimes when people get into that spiral and I know I did of, well, what is the purpose of life? What is the essence you know, of life. And I think my saving grace was that I had my daughter um, mm -hmm. and it was kind of like, you know what, I will hang on until I know that you're safe and until I know that you can take care of yourself. Like literally that was what was going through my mind um, because I literally did not even see the point of anything. Right. Um, so sometimes it's just giving people a reason to want to hang on. Um, sure. Sometimes you don't really have, you know, um, that anchor, you know, you don't have that reason to, to want to hang on, um, which I can totally um, understand. Um, but whew, it, it is a difficult one. But I guess, you know, we can say to people, you know what, if you want to see how, you know, Vince copes, you know, with, with his, um, you know, his loss um, and his grief and how, you know, his book, how, how writing helped him with his book, then you can go and, you know, check it out. And it's called The Narratives. Did I get that correct? That's correct. Okay, so pronounce your last name because I'm not sure I can pronounce it correctly. My last name is pronounced Gaglione. So just take the U out and you've got it, Gaglione. Ah, okay. That's, that's, that's perfect because I wasn't sure before. Um, okay, so Gaglione. Yeah, that's a tough one. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Where is that from? Um, that's it, Italy. Okay. Okay. Yeah, cool. Because the other day I had someone, you know, come on the show and we talked about um, Milan and because she wrote a travel book. Um, so it was quite interesting. But don't worry, we're not going to talk about Italy today because I think that's a whole lot of other conversation. That's OK, because I have no idea about it. So it's like I fell so far from the tree that, you know, my grandparents, if they were alive today, they would kill me. <laughs> Well, you should go and play the place of visit. You might be surprised. I might. I might. It's uh, it's not on the bucket list just yet, but you know, we will see what tomorrow brings. Exactly. Um, but any final words of wisdom before we call it today? Because I am knackered, right? Like my muscles are struggling to keep me up. 
I, I hear you. I just, like I said, I just was getting over the flu. So my whole week, I, I felt exactly like that. Today's the first day I'm feeling better. So that's a good thing. Um, but I would say, you know, it, it's, it's, life is an interesting thing. Um, we get hit with twists and turns all the time. And, you know, I always had this vision for my life. I thought, okay, here's how it's going to be. And this is what I can expect, but that's not how it works. And, you know, when you're faced with these types of situations, you know, you, you just have to roll with the punches and you have to find that inner strength to go on, you know, to find purpose, to find meaning in life. And, you know, sometimes out of, out of tragedies come, you know, clarity in a way. Um, so I more or less, you know, receive that clarity and it's just, how how life evolves um it it changes based on situations that 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 you find yourself in so you know just the things that come your way just embrace them and do your best to move forward and you know we all change as people and and especially in situations like this this is you know brought on a, a huge change in my life um but don't, you know, don't be afraid. Um, don't, don't cower away. Don't shy away from life. Just keep living life. And, you know, you'll, you'll find the answers that you're, you're seeking. We all do. Well, thank you for that. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, so just to be nice i'm not always nice and before i kick you out you know are you uh, on social media i um, am okay so how can people connect with you on facebook and twitter okay i have um uh, a facebook page it's called the narratives keeping the soul alive that's actually an author page on facebook so if someone just goes to facebook and types in in the search bar the narratives my page will pop up just click that hit like and you'll get plugged in there I'm also on Twitter at, at Vince Gaglione, um, Google Plus, a number of other outlets, Goodreads. And my personal website is www.vincegaglione.com. Okay, Vince. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and I hope you've enjoyed your time in my virtual cafe. I have. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been my pleasure. Well, everyone listening to the Shekila La Salami show, this mom is extremely tired and I'm going to try and have a nap now. So until next time, it's the Shekila La Salami show. Bye.